Hey everybody and welcome to episode 7 of Tech Tree with my fellow procrastinators. Hey there Shaban. Hey Chirag and hello to all our listeners. And hello Partha. Hey guys. Hey uh, Chirag and Shaban. What's up? So, on today's episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about security. We also have our first ask Tech Tree question. So, isn't that exciting? Um and that's what we're going to begin with. Judy Presetio and if i got your name wrong i'm really sorry send us a follow up question from episode 4 where we talked about smartphones and i quote uh, one of my criteria of smartphones to buy is to make sure it has a removable battery do you think manufacturers will continue to produce high end phones with user removable batteries why shaban do you want to take this first sure i don't think unfortunately manufacturers will continue to produce uh, high end phones with removable removable batteries um couple of reasons why um everyone keeps saying that the argument is waterproofing and here's what happens that that's what, and again this is my opinion um with different brands they try and outdo each other so if if your competitor is waterproofed his phone uh enough to that it can you know last for a couple of cycles in 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 a puddle or in a, in a washing machine or, or whatever abuse these phones go through i'm sorry a moment to i'm i'm sorry i'm going to interrupt you right there did you just say washing machine Yeah. Yeah, I I was I was I started laughing because his examples were very specific. <laughs> it was like a puddle or a washing machine and I was like, okay. Follow-up question, have you ever put a phone into the washing machine? No, but I clearly you guys don't know enough people, clumsy people. I know a lot of clumsy people that have put phones in washing machines. I didn't know that this was a new thing. I thought everybody sort of did that considering that these guys did it. Um <laughs> clearly some people... moment of silence for phones that went into the washing machine a moment of silence <laughs> point was because uh, human beings are going to be human beings uh, it's it's probably mostly to do with the fact that they need these phones to be uh, waterproof to a degree removable covers it causes an issue on that front high end phones definitely need to be waterproof to a degree i mean there's videos of sony basically putting um, one of their latest flagship phones inside a glass of water and then getting it to play music and if you're a high end manufacturer when you're competing with that you're competing with samsung and all, all these guys you need that um having said that i think to the low uh, entry level maybe even to the mid end maybe it could be a usb in certain countries where people don't have access to a lot of electricity and during the day and maybe they would they prefer having you know two charged up batteries and or or um uh, to have an alternative uh the other also reason i think now is because of the advent of power banks removable batteries have just become a thing of the past you take your power bank you charge multiple devices with it and uh, you top your phone off that way it just there's just literally no need now to replace it um thirdly the other reason why someone want to replace their batteries after a certain number of cycles your cell phone's basically not going to last you for the whole day because the battery basically gets a bit weaker over time by the time those those time frames roll around it's it's already been a year or two years and most people especially with high end phones most people move on to the next phone by that time So when you sort of combine all these three factors, removable batteries unfortunately I think are on their way out. Chaban, how do you feel about that? Like do you do you care? Do you does it matter? Um it used to matter. Uh, I I think there was a time where it used to matter. 
with lithium uh with lithium ion batteries um i think it stopped mattering we've come to a point where um honestly i i would tell you this if if i didn't have a power bank or or something good uh like i use an anchor power bank they're amazing and they charge my phone and and like 42 40 minutes to about an hour an hour and a half um and it sort of has eliminated the need for me to to to, to even think about it so So the, the just the fact that I don't think about changing or replacing batteries in a phone is enough for me to say all right for me this issue is passed and I think that's the case with a lot of people. I just wanted to add a point from the manufacturer's perspective as well. You know, I think Shivani already touched on the fact that I think lithium ion batteries have improved drastically, right? You know, there used to be a time I think when the, when these batteries like the lifetime of these batteries was not even close to the lifetime we were good enough to last a couple of years or 3 years or whatever i mean actually back then i mean pre smartphone days our phones used to last probably 4 or 5 years but you know the the batteries weren't good enough to last that long so you kind of you know during a user's smartphone lifetime you just had to have the option to hold charge for all of an hour and almost render the phone unusable uh, from manufacturer's point of view i mean uh, having the supply chain of having uh you know a battery service and 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 production of batteries and making sure they reach everywhere the smartphone is reaching itself these are all costly things they all take a lot of time and so and, and i mean a lot of money as well right so so i think that like um you know now that the batteries have reached this point where you know the average battery easily takes you through to two years yes sure i mean we can make the argument we have i think in the past already that like oh i still have to charge it more than once a day or it doesn't last me an entire day but it's not unusable right like uh, even a, a slightly old battery lasts half a day a few hours and and you and so considering that um it just makes sense for a manufacturer to say okay then i can i can limit my the spare battery production in my stores or the minimum places because remember that all the waterproofing everything included right like these batteries are replaceable they they do get replaced it's just you can it is it's not just to use a replaceable battery you have to actually take it in you have to get someone to do it for you so in those odd cases and i think those percentages are very small now for most people i think with the high end phones i mean the, you know the cell phone replacement these days is a couple of years it's not even they don't even take it to 3 half the time awesome so um Uh, thank you Judy for that question. Obviously if you guys have questions about stuff we talk about, stuff we don't talk about or anything generally related to tech, you can send them to us on Twitter by reaching us at techtree which is t3 c h t r e and also you can leave us a comment on the episode webpage as well. So we're going to talk about Kareem's uh, security breach. For those of you who don't know, Kareem is an on-demand taxi service. Uh you know our local version in some ways of uber so kareem uh, last week posted that they had identified a security breach that had happened uh, on and before jan 14th this year um user data had been accessed during this breach or at least the hackers that um, that managed to get into the systems had had accessed all of the user data and all of the captain or what they call the the driver data that had existed up to that point um so while kareem themselves did not uh, release any numbers uh, the reports around this i think were in the papers uh, announced that you know kareem had about 14 million user accounts and some 550 or 1000 captain uh, or driver uh, user accounts have been affected now kareem themselves uh, also mentioned that they have not seen that this data or they are not aware of any incidents that have arisen out of the misuse of this data yet 
but that they were doing this just to inform everybody that the breach had existed, that people should change their passwords and just be aware of this and, and report any suspicious transactions and other things uh, that they might notice with their accounts, uh, emails, you know, and all of that. Some trip data is also uh, said to have existed on the system, so um, this was also accessible. And uh, the last point is simply that, as is the case with most uh, applications here and, and around the world, uh, due to the compliance that they have to do with the certification called the PCI, which exists for credit cards, uh, Kareem did not store credit cards um, on their own servers. So it was stored with their payment gateways. No credit card data is has apparently been accessed so far. So in light of that, um, Partha, let's start with you this time. Um, initial thoughts? So the first thing that I actually want to point out is that it actually took them three months to identify, isolate, and actually report to the public. I mean, I think as a consumer-facing brand, they could have come out a little earlier and said that there is work under progress and we have detected this. But then they've also gone ahead to mention on the blog that, you know, they wanted to be absolutely certain uh, before they shared anything with the public that there was anything wrong. I just think that the approach could have been a little more... Uh, to me personally, three months is a lot of time and a lot could have gone wrong in those three months. Uh, as users, if there was anything that could have been affected, I mean, they, they very clearly mentioned that they haven't seen any misuse. But if they had kind of blocked it at the beginning, they should have just said, this is the initial investigation. This is what we have kind of seen. And this is what you should do, even as precautionary measures, just initially. And we will keep you posted of what happens in the future. I think that would have probably given me a little more peace. I'm not saying that I'm unhappy with what they've done. I mean, they've shared what they feel is necessary for a consumer to feel comfortable with having their data on their servers again this data is not anything that they haven't put on any other website it's a neither here nor there kind of situation for me in terms of the data that this guy the hackers have got the source of the information uh, i don't know uh, they haven't been very clear as to how they found out what they did they've been very vague about the entire process and i think that they could definitely be clearer in terms of uh, how they've addressed the breach and what it really entails for the end consumer so I, i've been uh, ever since this news broke, I've kind of been looking at, um, you know, a ton of the reactions, primarily on social media, but otherwise regarding this incident. Um, and, you know, a majority of the people pretty much echoed what you just said, which is, you know, why did you wait so long? As someone that has worked with systems uh, on the other side and stuff, I, I understand why the the information could not have been made public immediately. That's normal practice. Um, this is how it's done. You know, you don't want to reveal until you've had a handle on whatever the exposure could be. And when I say that, I mean, uh, you know, what could have been used to to accomplish the breach, right? Making sure that you don't sort of go public with that information and suddenly, um, you know, everybody else is trying while you're still busy patching systems. So the, the, there is, the, the fact that there is a delay uh, is understandable. That being said, I do agree with you, though, that three months seems very long. And in fact, the one uh, crucial factor for me that, that makes me really wonder about the three months is the fact that Kareem says that this happened on and before January 14th, and that if you created any account with Kareem after January 14th, your data was not affected. It tells me that that means the hackers no longer had access to the situation as of Jan 14. So then it does make me wonder why did it take three and a half months after that to, to inform us by saying, well, we were trying to get a handle on things, but according to you, you've had a handle on things since January 15th. So what happened to the data that was put in there before that? I mean, what did they get? What did they do? 
is something that is very no so that's the thing i so and i and, and and to some extent it's not exactly the easiest thing to figure out and i'll tell you why uh, simply because a lot of times partially because of the way the systems are designed partially because of the way uh, logs are written and these kind of things right not necessarily everything um, is known so they could have known for example that hey someone made a copy of the database but then you don't know specifically within that individually what has been accessed what hasn't been accessed right which is why the scope of this quote unquote breach is that the entire user span up to you know as the day was and which is why this number has come out right this 14 million users or the 14 million user accounts that we're talking about is the number of user accounts Kareem had as of January 14th well the other question that i have is that what is the extent of the breach in the sense that uh, what regions have been affected and why were only those regions targeted now i'm assuming that they took 3 months to investigate what happened and who did yeah. what that's how it's been described yes I will link to uh, Kareem's own post um, and and the news report like in the show notes for anybody that wants to go and read this. That is the critical information that I would like in terms of clarity of thought saying, okay, you know what? The reason we took three months to figure out what happened was because we were trying to isolate the situation to ABC region and it happened because of ABC person for whatever reason. I don't want to know what, what the thought was behind the breach. I want to know who, who, have, who have been effective. What is the real extent of the of the data that has been yeah, breached? Exactly, the extent of the damage. I mean, right now when they say 14 million, I'm assuming every single user on Kareem has been affected, which includes me, you, and Shiban. So uh, I'm going to shed some light on this. Um, first of all, before obviously we get started, hindsight is 2020. Everyone needs to acknowledge that, especially when it comes to security. Uh, and I think Kareem is doing a bang-up job. Uh, I like Kareem as a platform. I prefer them over Uber. I think the team in Dubai, in generally, I, I don't have anything bad to say about them. I actually have had very positive experiences with Kareem. Having said that, obviously, when a breach like this happens, uh, fingers are pointed. Even though we're a Dubai-based podcast, um, I think it's important to understand that in, in this case, a breach may not necessarily have happened in Dubai. Yeah. Uh, Kareem is spread across 13 different countries. Maybe the breach could have happened somewhere else and, and, and the network could have been compromised somebody somewhere else. I'm going to preface this by saying this. Unless Kareem officially uh, releases a statement, all of this is hearsay. It, it's basically one person's word against another person's word. Uh, even what's written in the newspaper could also, I mean, I'm not saying the reporters did a bad job, but it could be misinterpreted. That's the nature of security. It's, it's, uh, it's a very technical field. Uh, unless you are talking to someone who's directly involved with the breach or directly involved with the, the team that's hacked uh, and caused the problem to begin with, it's going to be very hard for people to say concisely, hey, this is what happened, this is how it was done, and this is who is who is at fault. So a little bit of digging has revealed a couple of things that there's a company called Security Wall. They're based in Pakistan, and they basically put a little blog post out which says that uh, we're white hat hackers, as apparently that's what they are. They're security researchers, as they like to call themselves. And they... Uh, uh, Occasionally, we'll look at major platforms and, and test them to see if there's uh, any any bugs there that they can exploit. Um, and then they reach out to those platforms who eventually probably then hire them to fix said bugs that have been found. Uh, maybe that's how they run their business. I'm not a security guy, but I'm assuming that's kind of how it works with white hat hackers. When Kareem became big, they decided to turn their attention to it, uh, to their platform, and they found some vulnerabilities. So there was a guy named Daniel Nasser who basically emailed them saying that, well, look, we've, um, we've, we're, I'm trying to notify you that we found the following issues with uh, your systems. And this person claimed that he was able to access 1.4 million customer confidential information. That includes things like, you know, driver's 
emails, names, uh, mobile numbers. This He was only referring to di- drivers in, in his email. My point was at the end of the day that he did reach out to them. He got an auto response and security wall then go on and say in their blog post that that was, you know, they didn't really officially hear back from Kareem and they sort of moved on. What's important to note is that the date on this blog post is June 16, 2017. It's, it is a long ago. The blog post then goes on to say that, hey, you know, um, it's disappointing for us because Kareem then supposedly fixed some of those breaches and didn't, didn't really give us any credit or reach back to us and say thank you or anything, which is fine. It's, it's just up to Kareem to, to do what they want. They're not obligated. But my point was, if you've realized that there has been a security problem, have a talk with the guys that are in charge of that division. Again, this is not blaming the, the organization, but uh, there needs to be some sort of um, system that says, hey, if, we, if we're getting a high level update or, or flag from, from a security researching company, I would put that pretty damn high on the priority list, uh, let alone not responding to them. And in fact, I would respond to them and, 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 and see if what, what we can address it and what else is there that's, um, that's sort of hanging out there in the air with no backup. Um, there's an interesting point that was put forward by Omar Qasim uh, from Jadopado fame and he said that after a platform becomes big enough you get so many bug reports that it's really really hard like I said hindsight being 2020 it's easy for us to say hey you know we could prioritize this and I'm sure now that things have gone this way Karim will probably put in uh, some sort of a framework that would ensure that this never happens again. It's one of those things where security in, in this region, unfortunately, does not get patched till shit hits the fan. And there's become a sort of a culture over here where uh, in the IT industry, and it's unfortunately a saying that I've heard many, many places. And the saying is, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. People aren't proactive and then they line up in hot soup. I want to actually add a little point here. Uh, I'm reading the blog and actually a little bit of uh, a report that was actually released in Pakistan based on the blog post and some a follow-up sort of situation to the entire Kareem thing. Uh, One thing that really caught my eye is that the hackers actually hacked uh, Kareem Pakistan first in June. Essentially, what this means is that in June or July or whenever, sometime in that time frame, uh, there was a breach that was uh, very localized in nature. Now, at that point, if Kareem did not pull up its socks and was not able to kind of do something about it, uh, guys, I, I mean, I just want to step in because I think that I think for perspective. Look, I mean, I'm 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 completely agreeing with you, Shaban. I I want to. I have a lot to say about some of the points you made, right, regarding. The, the state of security and how people approach it here and I, I'm you know I'm in agreement with that but you know there is as of as of this moment and I'm not saying that the, the, I have conclusive proof otherwise either but we don't know that the same vulnerability has resulted in this breach today right we're, we're, we're speculating that that Kareem had some issue back in June last year and then today we've got this breach and it doesn't necessarily imply causality there you know but Chirag, let me let me correct you that I already prefaced um, my when I started I said that you can't blame Kareem because these sort of security issues they're very technical and unless you're speaking with directly with the hackers or you're speaking directly with someone who is very in the know on what happened from Kareem officially everything else is just conjecture I've already said that and I agree with you. Let me put my disclaimer in there as well just 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 for security purposes. So basically, I'm not saying I know what went on behind the scenes i'm just saying that if there was even the slightest idea of what kareem knew was coming f- towards them they 
could have a taken the right kind of steps and b not have wait for three months before they said things were under control yeah and i think i think that is one of the bigger issues as well yeah and i think those are the two really big points because they are dealing with consumer data and i i just think that you know they've been a little lax in terms of trying to get the word out saying that you know what you are the region that you've been affected and this is what has hurt us we understand that you guys are a consumer uh, of our services we're sorry we're doing this you know a little more clarity in terms of what they did and how they went about it would be really really appreciated that's all i'm saying yeah since they put this announcement i mean i've been sort of Uh, monitoring the the news and social media kareem has just continued to say the same thing in in many ways and and to everybody that replied saying why why did you wait 3 months uh typically the answer has has been and continues to be um you know we wanted to get a handle on everything i'm not saying that kareem hasn't done enough i think they are doing what they can to to make sure that we understand that it exists which is great i mean it's nice that, uh, from everything that we can see as, as of now kareem has done this proactively right i'm personally happy to see that they are the ones that have reached out the, the reason we're having this discussion even is because they've informed us rather than someone hacked the data and and revealed it right it, it's because kareem has come out and said hey this is what happened and i think that that's that that's a great thing that's a good that's a good a uh, line of action and that's how we that's what we would expect consumer facing companies to do but for me like i'm going to kind of repeat that point here is that when when kareem says that as of jan 15 if you create an account you were not breached that tells me that they had a handle on it if they are able to say that with that authority and then the 3 months kind of is tough to explain a little while couple of weeks maybe a month sure but 3 months is a bit tough to explain okay we we have to talk about we what we as users can do about it. I mean, I'm not entirely happy about the fact that my data could essentially be out there even if it's right sharing data and doesn't personally identify me, uh, which in this case it may or may not. We we don't know. Uh what do you think uh, uh ha- having experience in enterprise security, what would you recommend as a couple of steps that we as users can do to protect ourselves? In most cases and and Uh, as has happened in the case of Kareem as well uh you know it it is generally good practice is established practice that people don't store passwords in plain text and what that means is companies that generally have your details don't actually store your passwords in the form that you write them in right so if you write your password as password123 and i must put a disclaimer here please don't ever use that as a password in case you look at the company's database you know your password won't actually say password123 you'll see a string of letters and numbers um and this process is known as hashing where they basically uh you know apply an algorithm them that converts your password from password 1 to 3 into something else right it tends to be a one way process which means that if someone has that string they can't actually figure out what the original word is which is a good thing and that's obviously a it's a happy thing because that means that you know you are a little bit more protected however because there are some established ways to hash uh, there are other things that that get involved i think one of the biggest things that i always advise people is please don't use the same passwords everywhere as far as is possible um now this is uh, i mean you know this is something that that actually this online pervasiveness has caused for us as as users where we're just you know we have accounts with just so many services right that it becomes harder and harder for us to maintain different passwords and so you know i see this a lot i see a lot of people doing this they have one password that they use invariably it has some personal identifying information in the password itself right so people use birthdays they use birthdays of spouses family whatever else um and then they use the same thing everywhere and this is where it's tricky because tomorrow when something might get hacked or some service um you know fails to protect it or or in some inadvertent way reveals your password now this password can be reused across multiple systems and you might find that people might get 
um, you know, access to more than one system just by knowing one password. So this is where it's pretty dangerous. Uh, for people that are then, you know, have this issue where they're like, okay, well, this is too many passwords. How do I keep coming up with different combinations? I think it is a good idea to look at password managers. Um, you know, there are some third-party ones available out there. iOS users and, and Apple users have their own inbuilt password manager as well. I, I really recommend you use it because what, what it at least does for you is it helps you generate a new random password um, that's not linked to you directly in terms of the actual text, uh, you know, for each service that you have. And so for you then, it's a matter of remembering one master password that you can make much more complicated, which is what I do. Uh, but then at least your different services are using some very, very differentiated passwords, which, which kind of helps the, the situation. And to add to this, here's the technique that I use. First of all, the way I approach this sort of situation is I know that my password is stored in the browser or stored here or there or some third party pro uh, provider, whether it's hashed or not. But I usually know that it's just an eventuality before it gets leaked. I've come up with my own, in, my own mental system on, on how I deal with passwords. So I have a sort of a complex password relatively, but I also add a string that is related to the service that I'm using that password on. So my password for Facebook would be, my, the string would be something to do with Facebook and that gets added to the master string. When you combine the two things, that's my password for, for Facebook. And when I use another service, I apply the same logic where I have something to do with the name of the website and I incorporate that into the password and then that becomes my password for that website. And therefore, I don't necessarily have to use a password keeper because um, I, I always worry that, hey, what if the password manager gets, gets broken into, then you know, we're all messed up. Uh, it'll be even more messed up. Uh, and this sort of keeps me ultimately agile. I think we've become too complacent right now. We're too used to having everything done for us. If it's a matter of remembering five or six strings, uh, which are a variation of one another, I think that's fairly easy to do. And we should be able to do it. We should at least keep it in our heads because at the end of the day, right now, our heads are still the most secure place for now. Uh, you know, we should add over here that please don't write your passwords down and stick them on a sticky note on your monitors. Yeah, yeah, people still do that. And, and again, wind this, winding this discussion down, basically it is a matter of time before there is a security breach somewhere and your information is stolen. So you just have to work out a way where you can minimize it. So how can they use it? Can they be used against you? Don't, again, put out too much there that you're not willing to part ways with or and it doesn't affect you deeply. Uh, a lot of people do, do interesting things. They will use like a secondary email address for pretty much all the shit stuff. And then they use that and spam services and that way they limit the impact. Uh, and they keep a main email address and they never ever give it out. It just, it just goes out to very, very select few people. Uh, so there are services that help you generate, you know, randomized emails just to subscribe to things that you might want to uh, without having to use your own email. You know, Gmail allows you to add uh, the plus sign and then any random string to your email and it still will be received by you. So you can always do your email plus, you know, name a service at gmail.com for example and then you use that to subscribe to the service so that it becomes easy for you later on to sort of sidestep that so for example if you don't want to be you know you want to be done with that service you don't want that service to contact you any further you can actually send any emails received to that you know your name plus facebook for example uh, and just dump it away and the one thing i'm going to say as well be very careful about how your services are linked to each other just as an example i mean if your facebook is linked to a certain email and then 
you know, that same email is also linked to uh, your bank and your other services and what have you. Um, that means you're, you know, you're, you're on a single point of failure, as we call it, which is essentially that all someone needs to do with you is get access to that email account, and then they'll be able to reset just about any service. And I think that that's something that you should be aware of. These days, we're logged into our emails everywhere. I think it's super important, you know, that you don't link all your services to just the one email, uh, that the moment that email is breached, you know, you're kind of done for. Um, and I think it will also be remiss, uh, remiss if we didn't cover uh, two-factor authentication. Uh, I, I started using two-factor authentication recently with a lot of my services. And even though it can be a little tiresome sometimes, it does have its convenience and its uh, its value when you do have a security breach. Because I, I, every other day I get like a message from Facebook, hey, here's your password reset code. Because I know someone's like messing around and trying to get in. Uh, and I get that quite a bit. It's almost every week or every two weeks. But because I have two-factor authentication enabled, everything has to go through my cell phone and my immediate interaction with my cell phone. Yeah, and so, you know, in case you're wondering what that basically means is that in addition to your password, you might be sent a, a text code. Uh, some of them, there. sometimes there are code generators uh, that... Uh, services like Gmail and even Facebook uses to verify that you are actually you because not only do you need to know your password but then you also need access to your phone and these are two things and hence two factors. A lot of services today, uh, Facebook included, Twitter, all of these services, they've all activated it and I think it's just, it's super important if you're using an application, if you're using a service that has it activated, right? It'll take you 10 extra seconds to log in but at least you know that every login is going to be secure. You know, you are you get alerted that hey, someone tried, you know, got halfway through and didn't make it all the way, or someone is trying to get into your account. I mean, turn on these alerts. I know they're, sometimes it, you might feel like that's a lot, but I think in this day and age, it's something we should absolutely do. I, mean, I get alerted, I get alerted when I'm logging into Facebook from a different location, right? But that, mm-hmm. but that's that's important because it means, it is, I know that that's me and I know I can, I can set that aside. If you're not sure about uh, something or you're, you're unclear about how something works, uh, you know, you can always shoot us uh, a tweet. Just, um, you know, send it to at techtree, that's T3CHTRE. Or you can, you know, message one of us individually. And Shivan, if you want to just share where people can reach you. So you can reach me on Twitter. Uh, and my Twitter handle is at Airspective. That's A-I-R-S-P-E-C-T-I-V. Uh, Partha, if you just want to tell us where people can reach out to you. So I'm reachable on Twitter as Partha NS. Um, you can look me up on Google as Partha Srinivasan or Partha NS. Either way is fine. P-A-R-T-H-A-N-S. That's how you spell it. So feel free to reach out to me for any questions that you may have regarding consumer or enterprise technology, and I'm happy to answer them for you. You're going to be at the show in tech this weekend? Absolutely. Uh, it's an event that I've been planning for a while now, and I, I really look forward to hosting you guys. Feel free to drop by. Again, reach out to me, and I'm happy to answer any questions regarding show and tech. Awesome. And it's going to be be at the is it at Knowledge Park, right? Show Tech is going to be hosted at In5 in Dubai Knowledge Park. Um, if you look up In5 Tech on Google Maps, you'll be able to find the location really easily. Uh, we're going to be there from 10 o'clock onwards. We're going to have close to about 20 DIY project teams that, that we'll be showcasing and uh, we're expecting over 100 guests to come in across the entire day. So it's going to be pretty exciting to see how the community, how, how they're using all these cool exponential technologies and building concepts around them. It's, it's going to be pretty interesting. So that's on Saturday, May the 5th, right? That's right, Saturday, May 5th, 10 o'clock onwards. Feel free to join us. Awesome. Uh, I'm available on Twitter at Chiragandi. That's C H I R A G N D. If you're a Microdot blog user, you can find me at Chirag. That's at C-H-I-R-A-G. Uh, you can find information, show notes, links to stuff we talked about at techtree.show slash seven. Uh, that's it from us from this episode. We'll be back soon. Uh,